You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Hello, and welcome to the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Bar Seitz, Global Publishing Lead from McKinsey's Marketing and Sales and Digital Practices. And I'm very happy to be joined today by Joao Diaz, a partner based in McKinsey's Cologne office, and Rohit Babkar, a senior partner in our Toronto office. They are also the co-authors of Scaling a Transformative Culture Through a Digital Factory. For today's conversation, we'll be discussing what a digital factory is, how senior leaders can overcome the management challenges in setting one up and running it, and what it takes to get started. So let's dive in. Joao, I'd like to ask you the first question. In your article, you make the point that companies have had plenty of successes with small-scale digital pilots but they start to run into real problems when they try to scale those digital programs across the business. Why is that? And why is setting up a digital factory one way to address that issue? Thank you, Bart. The issue that most companies face is that uh, when they start doing digital transformations and digital projects, they realize that they, they need to break a lot of rules. They need to break the rules on how to allocate people into the initiative or how to fund the initiative or even what technologies to use or what project models to use. It's okay to do it in a pilot. Uh, Oftentimes the the CEOs and most senior people pay a lot of attention to those pilots and they they help bend the rules or, or they just dictate that for that short period of time it's okay to do as they do. A CEO or a senior executive team cannot spend all their time paving the way for for it to happen. That's where a digital factory comes in. A digital factory is basically an organizational construct where you end up allowing for a number of rules to be different. And so within that digital factory, it's okay to work in an agile manner. It's okay to use a different technology set. It's okay to uh, hosts a number of things on a cloud environment, for example, right? So you set the digital factory ends up being the setting of a whole new uh, rules that allow people to work differently and give the senior team uh, the space to then just sponsor it and support it instead of uh, fighting every single fight every single day. Rohit, what exactly is a digital factory? Can you explain what one looks like, how it operates, and maybe give an example of a digital factory in action? Building off what Joao was talking about, I think one element is the culture and the operating model of the digital factory. So this is generally a place where teams will work in very different ways than they may work in the rest of the organization. So you can think of a digital factory as a construct of call it 10 to 50 teams, squads, pods, whatever the name is. Usually each of these teams will be 8 to 12 people, and they'll be working on projects that uh, build the digital capabilities of the organization. As an example, common thing for one of these teams working on is digitizing a customer journey like credit card onboarding or small business account opening. What you'll have is a cross-functional team come together for a period of time to reimagine and and build something really new for the bank. The team will generally have people from the digital factory, so people like designers, developers, 
product owners, and it might have some people from the legacy business, which helps with the whole culture change. So people from risk and operations and uh, uh, and other parts of the business that are you know relevant to reimagining this journey. The teams will generally work in uh, what we call agile sprints. So every couple of weeks, they build some uh, new part of the journey. They test it with customers. They refine and they iterate. And once they have something that they feel is worth sort of testing in the market, they'll create what we call an MVP, a minimum viable product. That will then go be tested with a subset of customers and then eventually become the new way of credit card onboarding or small business account opening for the bank. I think another common element I see is the factory can be a place where some people maybe go work every day and other people come a couple of days a week because they're part of a project team or maybe people do a rotation through the factory. The factory can often be used as a tool for the sort of broader organization to slowly transform itself as well over time. One exciting thing I find in, in digital factories is that, uh, yes, there are a number of things that are common across digital factories, but they are also very different. And so I've, I've seen a, um, in, a, in a banking client of mine in Europe where they ended up having multiple branches of these factories because they thought it was important to locate the factories um, relatively close to the businesses that they were supporting. And so you would have factories in multiple cities and multiple uh, locations, all of them operating under the same rules and the same set of operating principles, but located in, in different places. Another client of mine, a much smaller organization, very lean, private equity-owned institution, they ended up creating a digital factory that is very similar to the organization itself. It's also very lean, very small, located in one of the floors of the main building. And you can see how the factories end up mimicking the organizations that they belong to. Are there any sectors that are in the lead when it comes to developing digital factories? And why is that the case? Let's also be clear the, the a digital factory is a construct that serves the purpose of initiating and conducting the digital transformation of a business. It's not the only construct for that. We see some sectors that are more developed and particularly in some companies that are more developed, they end up doing the digital transformation in a much more organic way because they their corporate centers already operate in a very agile way. They already have this set of rules applied to the normal company. And so they don't need to create this construct on the side. Uh, and we've seen that, for example, in, in banking, in some institutions uh, in Europe. Some other sectors like pharma or energy, they they tend to be a little bit behind because the customer behavior and the economic pressures are different compared to some of the other sectors. And they, they tend to do more uh, or to be in a phase where they do more pilots. Sectors like retail and consumer goods um, and media have been in the forefront of this for a long time and you've seen them 
uh, for a while having large-scale digital uh, factories or even embedded in the organization. If that's the case, are the digital factories that banking, for example, is putting together applicable in terms of lessons that can be used for other sectors such as pharma? As we've been talking about, a big component and a big reason for the, doing a digital factory, creating a digital factory, is the culture side of this. And I think the, the cultural challenge any large, complex, incumbent organization has as they attempt to you know, digitally transform, you know, there's similar challenges whether you're a large bank or whether you're a large telco or whether you're a large oil and gas company. And so I do think the digital factory construct is, is an important one to think about across all of those. Uh, all of the institutions are going to have to think about how do they recruit, attract, inspire, and retain a new kind of digitally native talent if they're going to succeed going forward. They're all going to have to think about when those people, when they do attract those people, how do they work in a way that is very, very different than the way they've probably worked for the last 20, 50, 100 years as an organization? And this is around being more agile, being more customer-centric, leveraging data and analytics in a different way. In the factories, I've seen that work very well. As Joao pointed out earlier, they challenge all of the norms of the organization, all of the existing rules around talent management, around operating model, around ways of working and they're willing to try things and have them fail and then pivot. And I think that kind of mindset and that kind of environment is required for any organization that's looking to go on this journey, sort of irrespective of what sector they're in. I want to dig into a little bit of this point that you both have brought up on the idea of culture and how a digital factory can be an incubator for developing it. Rohit, you had talked earlier about this idea of a digital factory being a place where you can infect the larger organization. It's an interesting visual, this idea of a culture farm around this factory. And in fact, it highlights one of the main purposes of a factory. So Rohit, could you talk more about how to set up a digital factory so that it really can be an incubator for digital culture? On the first point of how to start one, I think there's a couple of common things to have in place. So one, I think you need leadership buy-in at the top of the organization that you know this is an important piece of uh, an overall transformation and that they're going to be supportive uh, in helping uh, not only invest in and, and fund the, the factory, but also in, in helping ensure that the factory is successful. So I think you need alignment and, and top leadership support. I think it's important, and the name factory is, is interesting. With some of my clients, when we've chosen that name versus calling it a lab or an innovation center or something like that, the reason they liked factory is because they wanted the stuff that is produced in this construct, in this team, to actually be meaningful and real for customers, employees, and shareholders having them work on things that are aligned with the business strategy and key objectives and top priorities of the business is a second very important piece of this. If they're just the lab that's working on stuff that nobody will ever see or use, it may be a sexy idea at the beginning, but then it will fizzle out and it won't uh, sort of infect the rest of the organization, as you put it. Communication is a very important thing to think about in any transformation, especially one like this. How do you make sure 
people who maybe aren't spending time in the factory understand what is going on there, feel a sense of pride and ownership for what is happening there rather than you know maybe envy for what is happening there. Using these kind of rotational ideas where people are going to come spend uh, four months, six months, a year working on a project in the, in the factory, I think is very important. Um, I think exporting the best ideas from the factory to the rest of the organization is very important. Sort of recognizing that the factory will be a test bed for some new ideas and maybe new tools and new types of capabilities. And the ones that really work and we think have relevance at scale, exporting those. Some organizations are very, very purposeful about that. So they will have organized programs for the senior group of the company to come and see and to sponsor elements of the digital factory and spend time there and discuss it. One traditional implication that I've seen in many clients is the, is the expansion of agile operating models beyond the digital factory. People see how effective those are, how they help colleagues collaborate, how they help colleagues focus on the end product that they want to achieve instead of the internal bureaucracies, etc., etc. And so they, they realize that that is a big unlock for the new culture of the organization and they start exporting it. But there are others as well. So yeah, things like the design thinking that often comes into a digital factory and having new skills that are really experts in understanding customers and what they want and how to design solutions for them. You've talked very eloquently about how to export ideas that develop in a digital factory into the larger business. But what sort of things can a business put in place to make sure that these ideas that come out of the factory and are successful there can really take and have an opportunity to flourish in the broader organization? I see three common struggles and three common themes that top managers end up having to take on themselves to support the development of a digital factory and then, as you were saying, the spread uh, beyond. One is people, finding the right leaders for the digital factory, not only at the leadership or at the top of the digital factory level, beyond that. That typically means finding people from within that are really scarce, that are the ones that will uh, be needed in other parts of the organization and therefore makes it a very painful trade-off that needs to happen. And oftentimes it also means going out to the market and finding new blood to come in which in some organizations can be painful, particularly organizations that are more used to um, developing from within. The second element is mandate and, and power, if you will. So making sure that the digital factory has the set of governance opportunities or governance mandates to execute on what they need to execute. And it goes from very high-level, critical, business-related stuff like 
being able to very quickly approve a new sales process that comes out of that digital factory and and spread it through the organization or launch a new uh, digital product online. But also some more mundane and simple decision rights such as being able to do changes to an IT system and put it online live in very quick time frames. Then the third one is, is well, it's, it's about money. These digital factories do require resources and they require funding to be allocated to this. If every single initiative within the digital factory has to go through a traditional funding request process of a company, the whole digital factory just it's an it's a non-start from the beginning and so this whole notion of allocating strategically allocating resources for the digital factory and protecting it it's an important decision that oftentimes is difficult for top management to do but in my experience if you if you early on as a top management team grind through this difficult trade-offs and difficult decisions, it paves the way for digital factories to flourish and then to expand beyond it. A couple things I'd push folks to think about. One is being very clear about what is the culture change we're trying to create. We can talk a lot about culture and be faster or whatever, but I think clarity from the top team on what is the culture shift we're trying to create, I think is very important and, and making sure everybody in the organization understands that. One of my clients framed it as a series of four performance-oriented culture shifts they wanted to make and then four what they called customer-oriented performance shifts they wanted, culture shifts they wanted to make. So I think that's an important thing to, to think about. Then as Joao alluded to, it's all about leadership. You have to have leaders throughout the organization, at the top of the house and, and throughout middle management who are you know really committed to helping drive the change and helping their people through that. The factory can only do so much. Another piece that the factory can be a big help with is creating kind of symbols or lighthouses of the change we're trying to create. So if one of the things you're trying to move is this idea of velocity and building things faster and, and doing things faster, if the factory can help show that it can be done, it will inspire others in the organization. It will quiet those who say, oh, we've never been able to do things in a fast way. And so, you know, why would we believe we can do it now? Rohit, I'm sure you'd agree very few businesses have not already tried something in terms of a digital transformation. Everyone's launching pilots and trying experiments. How would they pivot from what they've been doing to moving towards more of a digital factory model? And how would you advise them to start? There's a couple of different ways I think about it. One is you can maybe start the factory as a bit of a, almost a, like a virtual factory, if you will, in that you tie together a little bit like how Joao was describing a few of the different initiatives that are already going on under the same set of sort of rules and culture and operating model. The times I've seen where people have made really bold bets on this, it's been around getting a clear sense of what is the mission for the digital factory going to be. So in a banking context, you might say the digital factory is there 
to support the migration of our customers in terms of digital sales, service, and engagement and building the, the capabilities to, to support our customers. In an energy company, you might say, you know, we want to dramatically increase the level of automation and monitoring that happens in our minds, thinking a little bit about, okay, so what is the talent we need to be able to start to deliver on those things? Starting to think about the number of people we need, how many of those can come internal, how many can come external. Starting to think about that, as we talked about earlier, the culture shift we want the factory to help create and what does that mean for the setup. And then as Joao pointed out, thinking about the ring-fenced funding and leadership for the factory and that's going to require. I really like that point about how important it is to get a clear sense of what the mission is for the digital factory to be successful. And it's a good point for us to end on because I'm afraid we're out of time. So thank you, Joao and Rohit, for joining me on this great conversation. Thank you, Bar. Thank you, Bar. You can read Joao's and Rohit's article, Scaling a Transformative Culture Through a Digital Factory, on McKinsey.com. And you can keep up with the latest from McKinsey on digital topics by following us on Twitter at McKinsey Digital. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.